Part 3. Meditation What is meditation? Christian meditation is the act of stopping to think about God's Word deliberately and intentionally. Christians use meditation to strengthen their connection with God and with His way of living. Why is meditation important? Meditation is an often overlooked bridge between prayer and Bible study. Prayer is how we speak with God, and Bible study is how God speaks with us, but meditation is how we listen to and process that ongoing conversation. Christians who have received God's Holy Spirit must be led by that Spirit by becoming spiritually minded. Paul wrote, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8 verses 5 through 8. When our minds are carnal, set on the flesh, focusing only on the things of this life, we can't please God. That mindset is enmity against God, standing in opposition to Him, completely at odds with His spiritually focused mind. Christian meditation is exercising the Holy Spirit, practicing and honing our ability to think in spiritual terms, so it helps us change our focus. By regularly setting aside time to stop and think about the Word of God, we allow God's Spirit to begin shifting our worldview from a carnally-minded one to a spiritually-minded one. This process helps us integrate the lessons and instructions of the Bible into our lives, deepening our relationship with God and helping us connect with the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 Chapter 8. How to Meditate The simplest part of meditation is often the most difficult part of meditation. Stopping. Stopping is hard. You'll run into resistance. There will be other things you need to do, and other things you want to do. People, priorities, and interests will clamor for your attention. But the stopping is non-negotiable. Meditation requires our attention. If that attention is split across accomplishing tasks and solving problems, we can't meditate. Until we stop, until we find a way to hit pause on all the other demands on our time, we won't be able to turn our attention to the Word of God. Even though meditation requires our attention, it never demands that attention the way other things in our life do. That makes it easy to ignore or overlook the importance of meditation in our lives, telling ourselves we'll get to it when we have the time. If that's our approach, we'll never have the time. There will always be something shouting louder for our attention. Internalizing the wisdom and lessons God has for us requires us to be intentional about making time to stop and think. Creating the right environment One of the ways to set yourself up for successful meditation is to spend some time creating the right environment. If meditation requires us to stop and think, then we need a place where we can stop and think. The right place is going to look different for everyone, and sometimes where you meditate isn't as important as when you meditate. You'll want to find a time and a place where you can be free from distractions and interruptions. In the Bible, Abraham's son Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening, Genesis 24, verse 63. He had a time, the evening, and a place, the field, where he knew he could think without distraction. David told God, When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Psalm 63, verse 6. 
Rather than seeing restless nights as an inconvenience, he saw them as an opportunity to meditate on God. It helps to find a place you can be calm and relaxed. That might be lying in your bed at night. It might be sitting out in a field at sunset. It might be taking a walk in the woods during the day. But maybe you don't have access to calm and relaxing environments. In that case, your job might be to consider how to make a place calm and relaxing. Is there a way you can transform your cubicle at work, your dining room table, or even the interior of your car into a place where you can focus enough to meditate? Time is the other factor to consider. The very first psalm says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 1 verses 1 through 2. Just like Paul's admonition to be praying always, Ephesians 6 verse 18, day and night doesn't mean we should be meditating every second of every day, but that we should always be in a state of readiness to meditate when we have opportunity. If you are specifically planning time for meditation, try to choose a window when the demands on your time will be at a minimum. Over your lunch break, while the kids are napping, later in the evening, first thing in the morning, whenever you're least likely to encounter interruptions. One study found that employees take an average of 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back on track after an interruption at work. Interruptions and distractions can totally derail our trains of thought, and they're not easy to recover from. Choosing a subject Once you've put the distractions aside and settled on an environment for your meditation, you'll still need to decide what you want to think about. Paul gave us a filter to use for deciding if something is worth meditating about. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Philippians 4 verse 8. If we find our minds consistently dwelling on a subject that doesn't meet these requirements, we should make the effort to swap it out with something that does. In the Psalms, the focus of meditation is consistently the law of God, the works of God, or simply God himself. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 1 verse 2. I meditate on you in the night watches. Psalm 63 verse 6. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Psalm 77 verse 12. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Psalm 119 verse 15. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Verse 48. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 97. My eyes are awake on the night watches, that I may meditate on your word. Verse 148. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. Psalm 143, verse 5. God his works, his word, his deeds, his law, commandments, statutes, and precepts. These are the subjects we see God's people choosing to meditate on. The possibilities from that list alone are limitless. You could choose to meditate on some aspect of God's creation, a creature, a geographical feature, a trait of humanity, or even a law of our physical universe. You could look at his words and his deeds in the Bible. Miracles he performed, battles he influenced, champions he raised up, or kingdoms he toppled. You could look at any of his commandments, the Ten Commandments themselves, the feasts of the Lord, clean and unclean meats, sacrifices, or various civil and ceremonial laws. You could think back to the ways he's been involved in your life specifically, 
opportunities he's given you, friendships he's helped you develop, places he's taken you, miracles he's performed for you. There are also some great perennial topics you can keep returning to and easily find fresh insights. We've included these in Chapter 9, Topics to Meditate About. You'll find layers and layers to uncover and think about here. Meditation as a Natural Extension of Bible Study You'll probably find that the easiest time to make room for meditation is either during or immediately after the time you set aside for Bible study. In the Focuses section of Chapter 5, we looked at six different Zoom levels for exploring the Bible, including sample questions to ask yourself as you move through your study. Those sample questions are a great example of what meditation during Bible study can look like. With God's Word fresh on your mind, you'll find it easier to spend some extra time thinking about what you've been reading about. The more you train yourself to ask these questions during the course of your study, the more meditation will become a natural exercise for you. On the other hand, if we start neglecting Bible study, we'll often find that our ability to meditate gets impacted as well. Remember, Bible study is the primary way God talks to us, and meditation is how we listen to and process those words. If we're not letting God talk to us, we won't have much to meditate on. Engaging with the subject There's nothing mystical about meditation, although many Eastern cultures approach it that way. There are no magical words or special chants, there are no poses to learn, and there are no spiritual energies to align or unlock. In fact, these aspects of Eastern meditation are rooted in the kind of pagan practices God warns us to stay far away from. Meditation, godly meditation, the kind laid out for us in the Bible, is about thinking. That's all. Solomon wrote, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Proverbs 25, verse 2. He also wrote this about wisdom. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Proverbs 2, verses 4 through 5. Meditation is part of the process by which we search out the depths of wisdom concealed by God in His Word. We'll never be able to uncover all of it. As Paul wrote, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out! Romans 11.33 But it's a start. The more we seek and search out, the more God will help us understand. In our hearts and in our mouths. There are two Hebrew words primarily translated meditate in the Old Testament. Hagah, Strong's number H1897, and Siach, Strong's number H7878. Both of these words also deal with speaking and making noise or uttering, and can mean different things depending on the context. Hagah is also used for the coo of a pigeon and the growl of a lion, and Siach seems to refer to an internal reaction that prompts us to respond with audible praise or lament the Hebrew and Aramaic lexicon of the Old Testament. A great example of this is in Psalm 77, where Asaph wrote, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate, siach, within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. I will also meditate, chaga, on all your work, and talk, chaga, of your deeds. Psalm 77, verses 6 and 12. It seems likely that, at least in the Old Testament, meditation often involved a verbal component words spoken out loud while thinking deeply about a subject. It's possible, of course, to meditate on the wrong things. Solomon warned us to steer clear of evil men, 
for their heart devises hara, violence, and their lips talk of troublemaking. Proverbs 24, verses 1 through 2. Words spoken may also refer to sharing meditative thoughts and ideas with others. The Psalms themselves are often meditations set to music, poetry written by authors who were reflecting on the greatness of God and His law. God told Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, haga, in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Joshua 1 verse 8. As the new leader of Israel, God expected Joshua to speak the words of his law and to meditate on those words in the process. Part of your meditation might involve speaking out loud. It might not. You don't need to meditate out loud, but the option is there. The Bible record indicates that many of God's people benefited from reciting the scriptures they were thinking about. That process likely helped them commit many of those scriptures to memory. Ask questions, even the ones that can't be answered. One of the best ways to keep ourselves focused on a subject is to ask questions. Once you've decided what to meditate about, start mentally inspecting it. Look at it from different angles. Poke it and prod it with questions. Scripture-related questions. If you're thinking about a section of Scripture, for instance, you might ask yourself, what's the main point of this passage? Why is it important enough to be in the Bible? Why are these words arranged in this order? Is the word choice itself significant in any way? Who were these words originally intended for? How would that audience have felt hearing them? What might have been in the author or speaker's mind as he or she shared them? Are there other passages or principles in the Bible that this reminds me of? Topical questions. If you're thinking about a topic more related to Christianity in general, you might ask yourself, how does God's perspective give him a perfect understanding of this topic? How does he look at it? Do I look at this topic the way God does? Where might my own perspective be lacking? Why does God look at this topic the way that he does? Why does it matter how I look at it? Is this topic something I need more of or less of in my life? Why? What steps can I take to make that happen? How does this topic connect to other topics in the Bible? Generic questions. If you're thinking about something other than a Bible passage, a personal miracle God performed in your life, a facet of his creation, etc., here are some other questions to consider. How are the invisible attributes Paul talked about in Romans 1.20 clearly seen in this? What does this teach me about God's character? What spiritual principles are involved here? What would life be like without this? In what ways has it improved my life? And in what ways does it offer me challenges to overcome and grow? Some of those questions will be unanswerable. In fact, a lot of them might end up that way. That's okay. Ask them anyway. Meditation isn't a test. It's not about having every answer to every question. It's about thinking. Convergent thinking is the kind of thinking we use when we're searching for one correct solution, like the answer to a test question. Divergent thinking is a more creative kind of thinking that explores multiple possibilities and trains of thought. We gain more from meditation on challenging issues when we're thinking divergently, not rushing to find the first answer that seems right and move on. So, think. Think about who, what, when, where, why, and how. Think about the things you know, the things you might be able to figure out, and the things you're sure you'll never find an answer for. Ask, wonder, ponder, contemplate, let your mind weigh possibilities and measure probabilities, 
Ask God to guide your thoughts where He wants them to go. And then meditate. Think. Ponder. David did this frequently in his Psalms. For example, he asked God, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? Psalm 8 verses 3 through 4. Looking at the incredible scope and grandeur of God's creation, David couldn't help but wonder, why us? What made you decide to give us this extra attention and a special relationship with you? He wasn't necessarily expecting an answer, just meditating on the privileged role mankind has in the plan of God. He didn't conclude with a clear answer, but with praise for his Creator. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Verse 9. Of course, meditation isn't the end of the story. Just as your personal Bible studies will often give you plenty of subjects to meditate about, your personal meditations will often give you plenty of subjects to go back over and study in greater detail. It's a beautiful give and take, but it depends on our engaging with God's Word by asking questions. Proactive Meditation versus Reactive Meditation Some life events have a way of prompting us to stop and think. Moving to a new town, the death of a loved one, getting married, the birth of a child, starting a new job, or any number of other major life events, these are often big enough and impactful enough to get us thinking about things. That's a reactive kind of meditation. Something significant happens to us, and we react by taking stock of where we are, where we're going, and whether it's time to make some course corrections. Reactive meditation often involves considering things we would have done differently. There's nothing wrong with that. God hardwired us to react to major events with introspection and self-evaluation. But if our meditations are only reactionary, if we only stop to think when life happens to us, then we're living our lives in the wrong order. We should also aim to meditate proactively, to stop and take stock of our life before a major triumph or tragedy prompts us to do it. Rather than focus on the things we wish we'd done differently in the past, Proactive meditation helps us focus on the things we intend to do differently in the future. One psalmist wrote, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119 verse 105. By taking the time to be proactive in our meditation, we can ensure that we're using God's word to continually shed light on the path we're traveling, instead of just using it to understand what went wrong.